Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor in play betting. Watch the action, predict the action, and make your best bet with the latest odds on over 1,000 daily events. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hi, everyone. What's up? Chelsea fans, I hope you're all feeling good. This is Xavier Mbuyamba, and you're listening to the Blue Day Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast will never end. Yes, this is the Blue Day podcast. And for Chelsea fans across the world, every day is a Blue Day. I am your host, the creator, the man with a face for this podcast, Keith Lawrence. And joining me again this week is one happy Chelsea fan. He's a man who probably was listening to the liquidator and one step beyond on Wednesday night. He is your friend and mine. It's Steve Wick. Steve, nice to see you again. How are we? Yeah, I'm great, Keith. It's been a good week. It's been a great week. Great week for yeah. a Chelsea supporter. We don't get to the final often, so we should enjoy it for once. Absolutely. Well, we got there once before, twelve, twice before. We've got we? there and, twice before, but it has um, been a while. And I think we hold the records for semi-finals as well. So I think we're up there. Yes, we do. Yes. Yeah, yes. But, but that was no mean feat the other night. I thought. Chelsea were absolutely superb. I thought they played really well and the game plan worked perfectly against Real Madrid. Well, let's let's start with that because we mentioned sort of off-air about Real Madrid's tactics and we mentioned sort of before a first leg about how they played three at the back and it didn't work. I was astonished that they played three at the back again. I just thought that after how Chelsea played brilliantly against them at their place, they looked very weak playing three at the back to play three at the back again with having uh, Vincenzo Jr. playing as a wing back just caused massive problems for them. And we just exploited that. And again, we should look at it from our point of view. I thought every man in that squad, even the subs that came on were outstanding. Yeah. I I, I think there's a belief and, you know, you, you've got to put it down to the, uh, you know, the manager, he, he's created, and, but that comes with results. But what I liked about it, they had a big hiccup against West Brom uh, and got straight back on the, on the rails again. And uh, since then, they've been absolutely brilliant. And I think that's a sign of a good manager is when he does that. And I think his tactics and the way he's, he set the team out, I think was absolutely perfect. And he's done that, you know. If you look at it, he's played against Klopp. He's played against um, Pep. All these great managers, and I don't think he's lost a game against the. Uh, he, he, he hasn't lost, no. He, and uh, and it's incredible, you know, sort of the bigger the game, the more influence he has, it seems. Tactically, going into that, because a lot of people were wondering how Chelsea would set up. Would we perhaps be more possession based? Would we have to go for it and get a goal? I looked at it before the game and I thought we need at least one goal. You know, we can't just, we can't go into it thinking we, we can keep a clean sheet because we've kept so many in the past. We we yeah. did have to try and win the game. And I was a bit fearful of Real Madrid because I knew that they weren't going to be as bad as they were in the first leg. But my goodness, how wrong was I? And when you look at that Real Madrid side, we again, we mentioned it before we came on. 
that's one of the worst Real Madrid teams I've seen for a long, long time. They had nobody that that could stand out and take the game by the scruff of the neck. Someone like a Figo, a Zidane, even before that in a Michael Laudrup, for example, they had nobody. Benzema was isolated. Hazard, I'm not going to knock him. I think he was. He's been one of the great players for Chelsea in in the past ten to fifteen years. He's he's not the same player. No, and we've definitely caught Real Madrid on a good day. And I I did say this sort of months ago. I didn't fear Real Madrid, and I remember my you know two of my brothers were laughing at me, thinking, yeah, all right, this is Real Madrid. I have every confidence in the Chelsea team that we would beat Real Madrid because of the midfield factor. When you look at someone like Modric and Cruz, where's their pace? Casemiro's a good player, but he's not one that's going to... He can break up play, but he's not going to create it. And I just looked at our midfield and the way Kante has been. I mean, he's been Kante of old this season, definitely. And Mount, who, if he's not given player of the season and young player of the season, it's a crime. With him being in top form, I thought two games against Real Madrid and we bossed the midfield in both games. Yeah, I agree, Keith. I think uh, I think Kante, he's the best in the world when he's fit. He's the best in the world. So you've got a world-class player who's coming back to form. Um, and in the game against Man City, he was outstanding in the semi-final. It, to me, that was the game that, that, that signalled that he was back. But he was absolutely unbelievable. Um, I think probably he was man of the match the other night because he does the, the, the hard yards. He does the... You know, he's such a good player to have in his, in your team. He's, he, I thought he was absolutely superb the other night. Want to give a special mention as well that I think we should because he does deserve credit after the other night is Timo Werner. Now, you know, people kept mentioning to me that he's only scored, I think, two in 32 games or something ridiculous stat like that. But he gets in the box, he has chances and he's there to create for his teammates, I thought, again, Wednesday, he was there when it mattered. And maybe that could be his Torres moment when when Torres did what he did in 2012. And Werner's now having a similar patch to him was what happened back in 2012. But that goal, although it was pretty much on the goal line, that could be the goal to springboard his progression at Chelsea. And that knowing that he's not going to be a one-season wonder, that he's not going to be a flop, that he can be the one that can play in Champions League finals and cup finals. He's that... that There's too much quality in him not to show it. Yeah, I agree with that, Keith. I think, you know, there's a... If anybody doubts him about scoring goals, there's a a film of him on YouTube with all his goals from Leipzig. And my God, they are unbelievable goals. They are absolutely fantastic. Now, he's young. He's come to a different country. He's found it hard to, as I said to you before, sometimes it takes a long time for very good players to settle in this country. Um, very few hit the ground running. The only one that I can think of is, is Fernandes at, at, at Man United. He, he's had no problems. But a lot of players find it hard to get used to the game, you know, the uh, Premier League. Now, he's had to get used to it, playing three games a week. And it's full on. And I don't think you can evaluate any player after this season. This has been the hardest physical season for, I think, players have ever experienced. You know, now, the thing I like about him, if he's having a bad time or he's missed a chance, he keeps going. He keeps going. He will keep running. He, he's very unselfish in front of goal. Uh, he's made a lot of goals. Uh, and he stretches He stretches teams the other way, which is so important. And he, he's looking to get in behind. Uh, and he's important. Now, if he can just put that one thing, and it's a big thing, it's not a little thing, scoring goals is, is hard. But, you know, if he puts that right, then he'd be a real asset to the club 
And I think how he how he combines with his teammates recently has been effective. You know, Kai Havertz looks a different player now. All right, okay, he scored two against Fulham and Fulham are not having the greatest of seasons, but it's the position of where both players are, where they see each other on the pitch and how they combine and contribute to their teammates' play. Werner and Havertz, yeah, they hasn't done it consistently this season, but come on, as you say, we're in a global pandemic here. But I think next season, or even the end of this season, we could possibly see the best of Kai Havertz and Timo Werner. Oh. And even the likes of Christian Pulisic, who I think, you know, there is a player there. They've, I absolutely 100% feel that there is a player there. But again, injuries and lack of form. He hasn't scored many goals for, for me, my, for my personal opinion. But we've got something that Real Madrid didn't have. And that was pace in attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I thought that what has been the difference in the two games. Madrid, they might have had the experience, they might have had the know-how, but we just showed sheer bloody mindness and pace. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think the one thing that I think, you know, watching the other semi-final as well, Foden was absolutely magnificent that day. And and, and Mason had a, a great game the other day. And when people oh, Mason say Mount, about, absolutely, yes. When people talk about youngsters, sometimes it works the other way. Sometimes youngsters don't have any fear. They don't fear anything. And I think there's two examples there of young players that have real belief in themselves, actually think they should be on a pitch in the Champions League semi-final and are prepared to show the, the world what, what good players they are. And I think they embrace it rather than fear it. And I think that's a great thing because those two boys are going to be so vital in England's... Uh, attempt to win the, uh, oh, the Euro. Absolutely. They're going to be... But what I like about the Chelsea situation is, look, you know, I'm looking at so many teams and I hear about Neymar and I hear about these players, what fantastic players they are. But you know what? These boys, these boys are going places. And who's to say what Mason's going to be like in six years' time when he's 28? Six years' time when he's he, 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 and, and Foden in I don't know seven years' time, you know the, the the future of our game and the England future is is really quite phenomenal. You know it it really is. And uh, what's great about the Chelsea team is they're young, they're a young, hungry team, and sometimes in adversity you get even more together. And it seems to me that Chelsea have gone through a little bit of adversity but they come come out stronger and more together. And I think that's a great uh, tribute to everyone. And I'd just like to say something as well, which is uh, really important to me, is Tuchel's done really well, right? He's done magnificent. But I don't think anyone should forget that it was Frank that left him his tools where he's been... Yes, he has, he's done brilliant. But it was there. And a, a lot of praise has got to go to Frank Lampard for bringing those players in. 100% wholeheartedly agree. I think um, Joe Cole may have mentioned it on BT Sport as well that, you know, this Frank, and I think, I believe Glenn Hoddle actually said it in commentary, you know, Frank Lampard was the one that this all started from. The the fact that he gave Mason Mount his break. He gave, excuse me, he gave Reese James a chance when, yeah. with all due respect, managers before Frank probably would have gone to Italy and Spain and said, right, we'll give you 50 million for your fullback. You've got Reese yeah. James here, who is now one of the best right backs in the country. He's got some competition ahead of him, the likes of uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Carl Walker, but Reese James is a fabulous player. And I, again, Steve, I'm, I agree with you, but we, we've got a great core of players with desire and the ones that are not at the club but who are out on loan but have got potential to come back the likes of Conor Gallagher who's at West Brom who's who's doing very well albeit West Brom are in the bottom three he's he's having a good season players like that there is a there is an avenue for them to go into the first team look at Mason Mount a few years ago he was playing in the Dutch league yes yeah 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 
And now look, he's in a Champions League final. And I just want to sort of touch a point with Phil Foden. I know, although he's not Chelsea related, but this, you know, this is a, this is sort of an England uh, topic. I will be astounded if, and all right, ball be it, Southgate knows more about the England team than I do. But if it was me, doesn't matter how many other players their caps have, how many they've had or how many trophies they've had. My midfield three for the Euros and even in the World Cup in two years' time will be Rice, Mount and Foden. Yeah, I agree. 100%. I, 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 I totally agree. And, it, you know, and I, I think, I think, I, 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 as I said, we, we created players in this country uh, that could carry a piano, but there were very few that could play the piano. Now we're crazy. We've got five or six. You had Grealish, Madison, all these players, Foden, you know, they are footballers of a height. They can pick things out, but they are very talented. And um, I, I think the future for, for Chelsea and England is, is a very, very bright one. And I think we can go. We've played the best that France has put out. We've played the best that Spain can put out. And, and, and also the other thing is, people say about Paris Saint-Germain they knocked out Bayern Munich you know and we you know our boys our English teams are beating the best so what we've got to do is make sure we take that with the England team because it's important to all you know we're all Chelsea fans but we're all we should all be England fans well we want England to do well yeah God I'd like to I'd like to be in Hyde Park when England win the World Cup because when we get to a semi-final, it's, it's incredible. Let alone if we won the final, it'd be incredible feeling for the country. And I think that's a great thing to have. Definitely. One note I'd like to mention about Thomas Tuchel as well. And I've, I have mentioned on the podcast before that at the time of Frank Sackin and Tuchel came in, I was very, very against it at the time. I didn't feel that Tuchel was the right man for the job. Uh, I did brandish him the caretaker because I thought 18 month deal, he's not going to be there long and he's definitely not going to be there for 18 months. Hey, if he wins the FA Cup and Champions League, then fine, I'll hold, behind, I will hold my hands up, be, be a man and say I was wrong. But because of the success that Tuchel is having at this moment in time and because the fact that he's only got 18 month contract when he came in in January, if you did win the FA Cup and the Champions League and we got fourth place. Would you give him another contract knowing that the wheels may come off later down the line and then you've got uh, an added problem of paying him off two years left on his contract, for example? Or would you keep the 18-month deal, see how it goes and maybe maybe negotiate it within 12 to six months? Um. That's a good question, actually. I think I'd I'd leave it as it uh, as it was, and then I'd negotiate three months in. in de- An ideal example, Arteta. <laughs> this time last year, he won I the wish FA you Cup. wouldn't mention Arsenal on this podcast. <laughs> he won the F one standings. He won the FA Cup. Now that's true. And everyone that's true. Was over the moon. Over the moon, he would have. They would have offered him another contract. Now, where, where would they be? It's like Mourinho. Chelsea know how to handle. If you've had Mourinho twice, you know how to handle managers. And I think uh, Roman will know how to handle, you know. And also, you know, you, let's, let's see how it all pans out, you know, because... Uh, but no, I, I think I'd leave it as it was. And, and three months into the season, if Chelsea are playing well, and then I'd offer him the big one, the big contract. My biggest issue... Thinking about that is what happened to Di Matteo nearly 10 years ago. All right, be it he was only on a caretaker basis at the time. But he wins the Champions League. We give him a new contract, two, three-year contract. Everything's going well the first two months of the season. Then the wheels start panning off a little bit. The league season sort of starts dwindling a little bit. Our Champions League progress isn't great. And then he's gone. Well, yeah. you... You know, you give him that contract, 
the fans are 1,000% behind Di Matteo at that time because I, I know I was there. I was there for most of the home matches that time from August to when he was sacked. I was there pretty much all the time because the atmosphere was so electric. The fact that Di Matteo, albeit he's Italian, he was one of our own. He was there yeah. before Roman as a player. So we you know, saw him as one of us, was manager, won us the Champions League. My fear is, when looking at it, and again, this is being pessimistic, I know, but if Tuchel does win the Champions League and we perhaps don't start the league well next season, we maybe do like something like an Arsenal, whereby they're 9th, 10th, we'll end up getting rid of him within six months. And you're thinking, you've given this guy... So it's the same with Frank. You've given him all this money... You've given him the tools to play with. That don't work. Well, we'll get rid of him. But Keith, that 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 is. I know that's football. I know that's football. But even more, that's Chelsea Football Club. Chelsea Football Club are ruthless. They are ruthless. What you achieved, I always say that as a manager, you can be out of Chelsea in three months. No matter what you've achieved, if you've won the. Champions League and you've won the FA Cup and you if if that all happens three months into the season if we have a bad start to the season that's all forgotten yeah and that's that's the beast that's of my point is. that's that's the whole point of it that's why I'm thinking you know if he's got 18 months if we've given him an 18 month contract in January should we then give him a new deal if he wins the Champions League for my in my opinion I, I, I wouldn't because of things that we've we've just discussed. No, I, I think I think the thing with with here with Tico is the fact that he's had real hard times in his managers where he's gone head to head with the board. He's caused major problems at you know in Paris Saint Germain. He, there was a major problem between him and the owners mm. because he wasn't he wasn't given the money that and he threw his toys out of the pram and he was it was it was all he caused headaches at Dortmund as well yeah yeah, yeah. and I the, the hard thing might be having to deal with him when he's had success hmm. when he can turn around to Roman and said look you asked me to come here I've won the Champions League I've done this I've done that that's my that might be the time where you that will be hard so I think we're still learning about Chelsea, not we, but the Chelsea are still learning about him and he's still learning about Chelsea. But the one thing that's quite good is he came into this job knowing exactly what Chelsea were all about, knowing how ruthless Chelsea could be because he replaced someone that was a, a, a hero and they were about as ruthless and as cutthroat handling that situation. The thing that hurt me about the Frank situation was the fact they sacked Frank. It's their their you know prerogative. But what upset me is they had him in the next day, which tells me that was going on for quite a long time, and that's what upset me about the whole thing. They didn't give Frank the respect that he'd earned over a period of time, where he'd given his heart and soul to Chelsea Football Club, all-time top goal scorer. Yeah, that's what I didn't like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting you sort of mentioned about when we talk about you know managers and players, it'll be interesting who Tuchel wants to bring in in the summer if he's given that if he's given that option about bringing in certain players, you know, and depending if we win the Champions League or not, we're not sort of getting ahead of ourselves. Man City are going to be a tough team in the Champions League final. So if we do win it, I'm, I'm fantastic. But we look at the summer in regards to the transfers and all right, be it this is we're still in a sort of COVID sort of world at the moment and transfer fees are not I can't see them being 150, 160 million pounds for a player. I just can't see it, which is probably one of the reasons why Dortmund have said someone wants to buy Haaland for 150, there you go. Because no no team in their right mind's gonna want to pay 150 million at this moment in time. But one player that's sort of made the news a little bit in the transfer world has been Jaden Sancho. Now, he was at Manchester City as a, as a kid. 
I haven't sort of seen him in a Chelsea shirt when he was young star, but there's talk, there was talk and has been talk of him being a Chelsea fan. Steve, would you sort of look at that potential avenue? You know, the fact that we've got sort of wide players as well, and even the likes of Callum Hudson Odoi was, you know, the, still at the club. Would you look at someone like Jaden Sancho as a marquee impact? Bang, we'll bring him in because we're going to now go for the Premier League. What would you do? Say if you won the Champions League, for example, you've been given God knows how many millions of pounds of money. What would you do? Would you look at an impact signing or would you look at more of the future and maybe players that are not world-class yet, but potentially could be? Well, Keith, I'll tell you what. I'll make it easy. We look at the two Real Madrid games, right? We were sweating there. In the second leg, we were sweating there because we were only a goal up. When we should have come away from Madrid with a 3-1 win. And we should have won, I think, the other night with the chances. I think Glenn Hoddle said it. He was looking at five, six, seven goals that Chelsea should have had. So my big signing would be someone that is going to score 20, 25 goals a season. And we need that front front player. We need that number nine. Werner can play wide. Other players in the squad can play wide. We've got to get a nine that's going to put those 20, 30 goals away a season. Now, whether it be Harry Kane, or, or whether it be Haaland, you know, we 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 could be negotiating as champions of Europe at a time where the Real Madrid and Barcelona can't spend their money because they haven't got any. So we've got to make hay while the sun shines. We got to get that the players that we can get now, and we can we can put players into the deal that can make that better for us. And Dortmund are like English players. And there's, look, there's a few players we could put into the deal to make that happen. And if we had a player that scored, you know, between 25 and 30 goals a season, then we could challenge City. We could. But they will be one of the people going in for Haaland. You when you mention about Dortmund liking English players, put it another way then. If the option was there to sign Haaland, Haaland wanted to join the European champions and we was given that option to sign him, would you say, right, we'll give you this this amount, but we'll throw in someone like a Hudson-Odoi into the deal? Would you agree to that? Yeah, I would, because him and, 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 and Tammy, I'd put them into the deal. Right. And I'd offer, I don't know, I'd offer 110 million. And I think they'd like that because they've got their striker. They've replaced their striker in one hit. They've made up shed loads of money and they've got two very talented young players. And that would suit them because all they want to do is play first team football. And I think it's been very evident that they don't have a future at Chelsea at the moment. But that can change. That can change. But that that's what I could see happening. And I think Interesting. I, I, listen, I think that those two players are very talented young players and they're going to be no good sitting on the backsides every every Saturday at all. It's not going to do them any good at all. You know, Tommy was Cap for England and he, he's not playing football and his whole career over the last three months has ground to a halt. Now he owes it to himself to... to you know, to push on, I hear that Aston Villa might sign him. I hear that Leicester are quite interested in him. But, you know, it's it's important. But, you know, will you jump at the chance to go to Dortmund? It's a big club. It's, you know, it's uh, it'd be playing in the Champions League next season. You know, it Absolutely. could be a good move for both. Absolutely. We shall see when it comes to the summer, albeit if, if we do win the Champions League, if we don't, and what Thomas Tuchel has 
up his sleeve in regards to players coming in and out. And even when you look at players that are linked with a move away, you know, there, there are quite a few, but hopefully, you know, we'll again, we'll see what happens. But as you say, we do need a number nine. We do need a focal point up top because I watched the game on BT Sport, the amount of chances we had. And I, I made a comment to a friend of mine who, who did find it funny. And I, at the time, I didn't sort of say it as a joke. I was actually serious. And it was the fact that if our players took the same amount of shots as they did at goal to John Lennon, he'd be alive today. Because yeah, it was yeah. just so many great chances. And again, we could have won. We could have beaten Real Madrid 5-6-0. They were gone. Their legs were gone on that team. We had the passion we had the drive we had the pace and we had the sheer intelligence to beat them Steve we should actually also mention um to sort of a changing of the subject a little bit we should actually mention that Chelsea men are not the only team to be in a European final this season we should actually make a comment on this the Chelsea women are in the Champions League final as well for the women's setup Emma Hayes my goodness, fantastic job that she has done. And it's, it's, it's a fantastic story, really, that Chelsea women, who are one of the best in the country, could now potentially be the best in Europe. What a fantastic job. Not just Emma Hayes. I'm also talking about the people behind the scenes with Chelsea women, the ones that have promoted the cl- that particular club to the country and has made Chelsea women what it is fantastic effort by everyone associated with Chelsea women and my goodness you know that would be fantastic for for the men and women's side to win their respective European yeah. clubs yeah I think it would be a fantastic double wouldn't it Keith it would uh, you know because the way they've grown and the way they developed you know the girls they played unbelievable uh, against uh, Bayern Munich they, they, the goals were great they played well they played with passion they played with fight and it's lovely to watch, you know, what I like about the women's game is there's no diving about or rolling about or, or you know, they have been a credit. And uh, mind you, they've got their uh, a hell of a task against Barcelona. They, they are a very, very good side. But listen, he's, he's, I wish them the best. And I'm sure they, I'm sure they, they will cause Barcelona problems. Yes, I I wholeheartedly agree. And they've got a great chance to win the league as well. And, yeah. you know, women's football is changing, whether certain dinosaurs like it or not. Women's football is getting better as, as, the, as the year sort of goes on. And I think this potential success that not just Chelsea women, but Chelsea Football Club as a whole could achieve will massively promote women's football and, you know, make a statement that, Women's football is not just a pastime; it's here to stay. And I think it is here to stay. And you know, you know good luck I, to I, them. I, yeah, absolutely. I, I think they've done they've done absolutely brilliant. And uh, you know, and the, the, the coach has done a fantastic job. And she's the sort of person when you see her and she talks, you can understand why those girls play for her and give her everything. You, you, know, you can see that because she looks a class individual and uh, I'm so pleased for them all. I really am. Well, and, Emma, uh, Emma Hayes did an interview on BT Sport. She was, she was interviewed after the game uh, at the weekend. And I didn't, I didn't see, I didn't see the whole game, but I saw the end of it and I saw the interview and the, the interview was outstanding because when they were asking her the questions, she wasn't just thinking about it and saying it. It came from, the heart. the heart. It came, everything came from there. It wasn't something she thought about during the game. And then what she'll say, she pretty much said how she felt. She did swear a couple of times, which fair play. She didn't apologize. BT had to, but she didn't. But she, for me, she showed more passion in that interview than I've seen many, many male football managers show in post match interviews, which I think just goes to show what kind of passionate coach she is. And as you say, the women would run through brick walls for her. Yeah. I think the thing also, Keith, you know, we talked about that the, the, uh, the women 
don't dive or roll about as if they've been shot, you know. Um, but also, it's more pure when someone interviews a coach uh, like Emma, she will just say as it is. Every time you, you interview a player or, or um, a manager, they're very guarded these days. They're very scared to say something wrong. They're very, you know, they're very guarded. And it, it's, it's, um, and then, oh, you know, most of them say the same thing, but in different ways. So, it, 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 you know, very guarded. And what is nice about the, the women's game, it, it, it's a pure, it's a pure product. And, uh, and I will be watching that game and cheering them on, you know, with my fingers crossed, hoping that they're, but a hell of a task. Hell of a yes. task. We will be watching it as well, most definitely. And we will also be hopefully keeping up to date with you know news and notes of who's going to be playing and uh, obviously the game. But good luck to Emma Hayes and everybody associated with Chelsea women. You know, they've done absolutely fantastic. Before we finish, Steve, we've just got a couple of more bits that I wanted to sort of mention to you about. Um Good luck to everyone who is able to get a ticket for the last home game of the season against Leicester City, I believe, on the 18th or 19th of May. Um, the tickets were, went on sale today. I think they're going to be on sale for the next couple of days, but it's to loyalty points. So if you're just a member and haven't got a season ticket, you're in no luck and there's no way you're going to get a ticket. I unfortunately will not be going as I've got a few projects I've got to sort out, which all will be revealed in the next coming months. I have a potential uh, meetings planned, so that will be revealed in the next coming months. So I'm afraid I won't be able to make that potential week and good luck for those that have received FA Cup final tickets or who are going to get FA Cup final tickets. Steve, I've come to talk about the FA Cup final and it's going to be at Wembley, the 15th of May. Fantastic occasion, albeit it's not as the razzmatazz as it used to be. It's not three o'clock anymore. It's half five and we don't see you know, the pre-match as much as we used to, whereby you used to see players eat. You used to find out what they used to have for breakfast and see them get on the coach and listen to like the FA Cup fight, you know, their FA Cup final song for hours on end. We don't get that anymore. But um, the news is coming out this week that a few Chelsea um, fans and in fact, the Chelsea supporters trust who I'm a member of are not happy with is the amount of tickets that are allocated to the fans compared to the ones that are allocated to corporate and the ones that are living in the Brent area and the key workers. Steve, I just want to get your thoughts on this, if I can. Let me just bring this up for us. Bear with me. Right. The FA Cup final 2021 will be played in front of 22,000 spectators. Each club will only be given 6,250 tickets, which is 12,500 in total. The remaining 9,500 tickets will be distributed to residents in the Brent area of London key workers, FA affiliates, partners and sponsors. Only 57% of the tickets have been allocated to supporters in total. Now, I want to get your thoughts on this just just to sort of start off with, because I know I'll mention mine in a minute, but the fact that we have to sort of stress that the FA and with Wembley, there is a certain allocation that is always given to sponsors is always given to corporate members and people are charities, for example, you know, they are given certain amount of tickets for the final and even people within the, the television business like sky and BT, they are given a certain amount of tickets, but Steve, I just want to get your thoughts as a Chelsea fan and somebody who loves the FA cup and you know, the fact that FA cup should be for the fans. The fact that there's only that certain amount of fans that can go. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I key workers, I haven't got a problem with. I really haven't got a problem with. They've been fantastic through, through this pandemic, and I've got nothing but respect. And, if, and they deserve a day out. And if they want to go to football and watch Chelsea, fantastic. And Leicester. Um, but it's always been the problem. You. you 
those are the empty seats when the second half starts and there's empty seats in the in the in the stands those are the corporates eating their prawn sandwiches and drinking their you know champagne and wine and everything uh um that has been a problem from day one that's never going to change keith and you know they've got to sort it out and they keep saying they're going to sort it out but it won't it, the the corporate side of football is here to stay it's here to stay um and it's a shame that there's only uh did you say six thousand six was it six thousand Apologies for the pause. Each club will only be given 6,250 tickets. Listen, as I said, it's never going to change. But the 6,000 people, especially Chelsea, when we've got to prove what, what great supporters we are, make one hell of a noise for the boys because, uh, you know, 6,000 people after playing in, or 22,000 people, whatever it is, after playing in, a, in an empty stadiums week in, week out, be a fantastic boost for them. So I'm sure the Chelsea fans will make themselves heard. Um, and we can win the, I don't mean this battle when I say battle, <laughs> against the Leicester fans on how loud we can be and we'll beat them. Yeah, I mean, my, my oh, thoughts on it. Sorry, Steve. I've just changed the subject a little bit. I, I can't believe that they're taking the, uh, the Champions League to... Final to Turkey. I, I, I'm just absolutely gobsmacked about that. Well, let's talk about that because Turkey, as far as I'm aware, are in the red zone in regards to where to go around the world with COVID. Turkey is one of the worst hit countries in Europe. UEFA have not budged on their stance in regards to having the game still in Turkey. The last I heard that was any... A development or progression on it was that Villa Park has put their hand, put their hands up. Aston Villa have put their hands up and said, "We'll host it." As there is only two, you know, there's two English teams in the final. Why have them travel across Europe? Why have the fans travel across Europe? Have it in this country? I don't see a problem with that. I think in the extraordinary times that we're living in, I don't see it as a problem to have it in this country, have have it in Istanbul next year, when things are probably, hopefully, fingers crossed, going to be better for everybody, not just English fans, not just people in Turkey, but every single person. Steve, your, your thoughts on that, because you know this is quite a sensitive subject to some. Well, take the football out of it, right? And you've got 8,000 supporters going into a place that is, has one of the biggest R readings in Europe. They are now in total lockdown. Why are we putting not only our supporters, but when they arrive back, families at risk, when all they've got to do is to play it, you know, halfway between London and Manchester, Villa Park. You could probably get a bigger crowd than what they're going to have at Istanbul. You know, yeah. I, I find it sometimes I, I common sense just goes out the door sometimes with the, uh, you know, I, to me, it's a no brainer. The travel that the supporters have got to do, they don't know even if they can travel to Turkey. What have they got to do? Have a test that's going to cost them 45 quid before they go. And when they arrive, it's going to cost them 120 quid just adds on to the thing and I just think it, it's unfair it's unfair and it's unreasonable and dangerous and dangerous all the hard work we've done we've got 8,000 people going into a total lockdown it, it just doesn't make sense absolutely uh, and, and and if I was Boris Johnson I think I'd have something to say about it, really, because it is we they everyone has worked so hard to fight this pandemic, and that happened, which is just totally ridiculous. Well, I think you also have to look at the Euros as well in general, and you have to look at this year or you know, when they tried to do Euro twenty twenty, they wanted to have them across Europe. They wanted games across Europe to make it more sort of better for teams and better for everyone else but 
there was nothing wrong with having a, a tournament. Stay in one place. Yeah. So what I would do if I was in UEFA's shoes would be, and obviously they can't do it now because it's all been agreed and you know it's all been signed off. But I would have made sure that if I'm going to have a an international tournament that requires travel, stick it in one bloody place and not have it scattered around Europe. It's just again, Keith. What it is? It's a money <laughs> exercise. It's a money make. How? Let's ask you a question. This, this is even as honestly the best question ever with regard to you know governing bodies of, of our football. England make the most unbelievable bid for the World Cup, right? The most unbelievable bid. The stadia, the networks, everything, top, top notch. And they vote for Qatar. 22 miles long. Don't drink. They don't like a beer. They don't particularly like you having a beer. You're going to get invaded by so many thousands and thousands of people with the World Cup. How on earth can you give it to Qatar? That great footballing world that is Qatar. <laughs> it is absolutely ridiculous. And I think that sums it up. And this, this Turkey thing, common sense is just not there. It's all about money. And it's in a, in a pandemic, that should be way down the list. Way down absolutely. The list. And the fact that when you look at a place like Istanbul, I've never been, partly wouldn't mind going for a football weekend or something along them lines, but you choose a, a city like Istanbul, with all due respect, Turkish teams in the Champions League don't go far. So if you know that you're expecting a certain team or a certain country to have a representative in the final... Why choose Istanbul? Well, they keep saying, don't they? they you could have chosen want... London. You could have chosen Madrid. You could have chosen mm. Milan. You could have chosen Rome. Why choose Istanbul? Well, probably the only thing I can think of is that a Turkish team won't get into the final. So, therefore, it's a neutral venue. Uh, venue. Well, that's... Yeah. Mind you, having said that, our European Cup final win, Champions League final win, was the greatest ever because we played Bayern Munich in Bayern Munich. Their own backyard and we silenced them. Absolutely. That, to me, was one of the greatest ever victories. To play Bayern Munich in Bayern Munich and beat them. My God, what a great result that was. Do you and think that'll that? ever happen again? That a team... Again, two teams should be playing in a neutral venue, but it's not... And that team ends up winning that that tie in the fashion it was, last-minute equaliser and then going into penalties. Do you think we'll ever see that again? Well, I didn't see a lot of it, certainly not the penalties, because I put my... I hate... I'm, I've been uh, brought up on penalty shootout disasters all my life. <laughs> and when that, when that went to penalties... Uh, Oh my God, that was, especially with what we experienced in our previous European Cup uh, Champions League final. Um, but my God, what a fantastic result. What a fantastic night that was. And uh, that will stay with me forever. That, that, that was just absolutely brilliant. Well, let's just hope that May 2021, we're celebrating another. Champions League final. That'll be that'll be fantastic for everyone involved with Chelsea Football Club. Um, we are coming to the end of the episode now, but there's, there's a couple of plugs that I would like to mention to start off with before we do say uh, adios. We've got a few interviews coming up this month to celebrate the anniversary of the Cup Winners' Cup triumph against Real Madrid quite ironic actually this week um, we've got a couple of player interviews coming up this month two have already been confirmed we are looking to do a couple more they will be announced in due course so as you are hearing this today we have the interview of Derek Smithhurst 
which will be uh, which is out for example this week and that is a fabulous interview i do urge everybody who likes their football and in fact it's not just it's not just a footballer's story it's a sportsman's story about how a guy from south africa comes to england tries to make a name for himself and has the pleasure of eating a wimpy with chelsea players that is a story that I can honestly say, please listen to it. It is fascinating. So that's Derek Smedhurst, who was part of the team that won the 1971 Cup Winners' Cup final. Next week, on the 14th of May, the episode with a true Chelsea icon, one that I feel should be talked about more in regards to the the all-time great midfielders of Chelsea in Alan Hudson. Fabulous individual fabulous player in his day that interview will be out on the 14th of may and then hopefully between then and the end of may we will have a few more interviews coming up but also we will be posting some items on our instagram page and also on facebook of certain pictures from that particular time in regards to next week we've got of course chelsea against manchester city in the league We've also got Chelsea against Arsenal. So massive games coming up, Steve, to end, to end the season. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's full on, isn't it? We got so you know, you got those two games, you got the FA Cup, you got the Champions League, big games, big games. But as a player, you want to play in those games. Hopefully next time that we, we are here, hopefully we'll be talking about another win against Manchester City and certainly a decent win against Arsenal. That that will be the plan. But if you do wish to go find the Blue Day podcast more, if you if you definitely liked what you've heard, find us on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify as well. We are on YouTube. So listen to us, watch us at your leisure, watch us as much as you want. And you can find it anywhere where you can find your favourite podcasts. Fellow Chelsea supporters, I've been Keith Lawrence. He's been Steve Wicks. Take care and carefree. Cheers, everyone. See you later. Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. $88 billion is just a number, but not when we use it for our community benefits plan. It can be used to help deliver the promise of an education. We'll empower young entrepreneurs through the creation of the Howard University and PNC National Center for Entrepreneurship. And uplift small businesses with access to the capital they need in order to grow. It's not just about dollars, it's about change. PNC, 